Aloha, everyone, and welcome to Just a Physician, the podcast where we explore mental health, vulnerability, and life experiences with some creators and people you know and love. And today's guest, I'm, I think it's the first time I'm having two guests on, actually. I've only ever had one guest at a time, but we have double the pleasure of having the stars of Breaking Beauty podcast, Jill and Carlene. I'm super stoked to have you guys on because I had the privilege of being on your guys' podcast. How long ago was that now? That was two in years, 2020, two years. late 2020. Your New York Times wow. article had just yeah. come out oh, and yeah, uh, yep. you hadn't even launched your skincare yet or you certainly didn't have a podcast. Yeah. So we're so excited to catch up with you and really grateful that you made time to uh, have us on your show. We're really excited. Yeah, of course. We're excited to be part of your very first, very first audible menage et toi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's such an honor having you guys on like two years later. And also I'm going to be on your guys, an episode of your guys' podcast after this as well. So everyone who's watching or listening, make sure you check that out as well. Be sure and subscribe and stream their episodes because you guys, one of the reasons I love your content is because you really take a refreshing approach to talking about beauty in a much, in a way that's like out of the box from kind of the the standard conversations that you see online when it comes to breaking down beauty. And for anyone who's like new to you guys, I'd love if you guys want to like introduce you what your, you know, podcast entails and kind of your own personal story and journey online. Sure, absolutely. So yes, we're Carlene and Jill from Breaking Beauty Podcast. And we always say we're two beauty editors turned podcasters. Um, and we are just delivering you the damn goods every single week. <laughs> and, you know, our history is that we came from magazines. Mm -hmm. um, and that's actually how Jill and I met. So we're we're like dinosaurs compared to <laughs> probably, you know, the baby beauty lovers who are listening and watching right now. Um, you know, we've come we've come a long way. And um, coming from the magazine world, it's just so different, I think, mm -hmm. than coming up like through YouTube and as a creator that way, we've had to like work in reverse and try to figure out how to, you yeah. know, upload things to TikTok or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we would write like long form articles mm -hmm. and, you know, produce photo shoots. So it was very different. Um, for myself, I, I worked at a fashion magazine in the beauty department. So I would go backstage at like New York fashion week or mm -hmm. Paris fashion week and interview people like Charlotte Tilbury and Pat McGrath so who cool. were creating the looks. Um, I've done a photo shoot with Charlotte Tilbury before oh, cool. and just like going on press trips and, you know, interviewing people like Mark Jacobs mm -hmm. for, you know, when he first started his makeup line, um, going to Chanel Coco Chanel's apartment. Uh, Whoa, so it's so all very gl glamorous, <laughs> but you know, it kind of all w wound down mm -hmm. and, uh, and Jill was doing all of those same things and more. She also does local television and she can, you know, she can speak for herself really, mm -hmm. but that's how we met was like these press trips. They were so fun. And I'm sure you've met s s people the same way, right? Mm -hmm. We would be in the same car. Yeah. We would be at the same events. We were, we always say we were shutting down the hotel lobby bar and like, <laughs> you know, drinking the free champagne yes. and that's how we bonded. And so, yeah, like just when magazines sort of started pittering out that's when we really saw an opportunity um there were very few beauty podcasts in mm -hmm. the space at that time we've been 
around for five years. Yeah. So yeah, we ju- we jumped in. And so yeah, we, we started out interviewing founders of beauty brands. We kind of were it was, it was the era of like how I built this. Everyone mm-hmm. was obsessed with entrepreneurship, but we've really evolved as well. So now we interview like a lot of great facialists and dermatologists to get all of their best tips for everybody. Um, and we do a lot of product reviews as well, which are very mm, popular. I love it. Yes. Yeah. And if, if I were to just add one thing to that, Hiram, I think the biggest difference, and by the way, this is Jill speaking, we always have to differentiate our voices. <laughs> I would say our, the biggest difference it now compared to the content we created before is we are part of the story now. Whereas mm-hmm. coming up in editorial and magazines, we were always behind the scenes. We were never meant mm-hmm. to be front and center. And so we come from the world of fact checking and taking six weeks to write something and it's edited and edited and edited. And like, Mm-hmm. You really learn a lot through that whole process of like crafting a story. And so when Carlene and I would go on these press trips for exciting launches and the brand founder would be there telling us about their, wow, like this is how they came up with this innovation or this is their, you know, their mom's personal story that inspired this product. And you just, your mind is blown, but there's nowhere in the magazine to even like add that in like I was sitting with this founder and this happened like that was not happening so when we started the podcast it honestly was a learning curve I think for us to allow ourselves to editorialize a bit add the narrative in and we actually had people reach out to us and say as much they were like we really love what you're doing but we need to hear more from you we were very Mm -hmm. much like putting the founder first and the content or the content content creator first rather than ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think over time we've become more comfortable with that and uh, realize that people, yes, they came for the content. They came from the big names like Victoria Beckham or whatnot, but they stayed because of us. And I think that that's just a huge departure from the editorial world that we came up in. I think it's such, it must be such a cool contrast to go, you know, from a place of being behind everything like you were describing, you know, um, from a very corporate style approach to information surrounding beauty um, to a more, you know, forward facing um, platform where you can kind of talk a little bit more at free will, I'd say, um, I imagine is, is what I've been able to get from listening, you know, two episodes of your podcast is just you guys being able to talk freely about your opinions, your expertise, your knowledge of the industry, and what a cool transition it must be to go from working in a more editorial environment to now kind of breaking into the new age of beauty information, which is social media, you know, dominant. And actually, I have a few questions about that as we get into the podcast where I want to kind of dissect what your guys' opinions and thoughts are of like what this new age of social media means for beauty and if it's good, if it's bad, all that kind of stuff. But before we even get into that, I want to ask, because I ask every single guest this, and I feel like you guys will have some really golden responses. What is the worst thing (laughs) that both of you have done to your skin and how does it contrast to your skincare routine now? What is the juxtaposition of what's the worst (laughs) thing you did versus what you do now? Right. I mean, I think I can start. I grew up, I was just a total drugstore girly. Everything I used Mm -hmm. on my skin was from the drugstore. I still appreciate a lot of things at the drugstore, but Mm -hmm. I was like 
the harsher, the better. Do not pass go. I was like yes. running past the CeraVe, running past the Cetaphil. I'm like, do not give me that. Give me the Oxy pads that when you peel the foil back, like oh. your hair blows back because you can smell so much alcohol. So I think that that's like one thing that I was just not, yeah, I was not educated on skincare at all. Mm-hmm. I just got drawn in by the commercials, Noxema or whatever, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, if it tingles, it's working. That's kind mm-hmm. of was my ethos, I would say. And definitely over time, I've like learned so much being a beauty editor. And I think I also definitely skimmed, skimped on SPF back in the day, especially Oof. when I was outside playing sports and all we of all that. Did. Um, it's okay. <laughs> We've yeah. all done that. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like I'm repenting for those days now. And now I'm just like, I really, am looking for you know the most minimal steps that deliver results and the kinder that you are to your skin I think the better results that you will see ultimately and that took a while to learn absolutely could not agree more I'd love to hear from you what what tell us the the skincare horror story that you have I mean, I think it's not uncommon you've probably maybe you haven't heard this on your show because okay. you know you have to be a certain of a certain era to do this but the baby oil, you know, like oh. the baby oil all over the body to get a tan. I definitely oh, did that. And like, oh, wow. I remember, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, sorry, I have to clarify, yes, for tanning. So I remember my girlfriend and I, we would put on the baby oil and like, we actually climbed up to the roof of her garage so that we could get like closer to the sun oh. to get a better tan. I mean, we were just short of like holding silver tin foil like in front of yeah. us, or, like, you know. <laughs> um, and and I'm a very pale person, so um, I didn't do this a lot, but definitely just in my teen years, mm-hmm. I did. And uh, you know, that was that was probably the biggest sin that mm-hmm. I committed. Oh, that I I have to say, like, I know how intense it can be to go up on the roof, not because I did it for tanning, but I actually used to do roofing projects um, where I would be laying shingles and stuff like that. I know you would never think a homosexual as, you know, extra as me would be (laughs) doing roofing projects. But I was up there. I was doing roofing. (laughs) man. Yeah. And it would reflect. That seems like really hard work. Oh, it was hard, hard work. So much respect to people who do that because it is grueling. And one of the most grueling aspects of it and why I would literally cover myself from head to toe was because the sun reflects against the shingles and it increases like the sun Mm -hmm. damage. So laying up there with baby oil is is basically like, you know, a a turkey ready for cooking. Ooh. Yeah, it's cringeworthy. It's cringeworthy. I yeah. know. But you've come so far. <laughs> like, look at the contrast. Look at the juxtaposition. It's amazing. It's really cool to see. Thank you <laughs> for being vulnerable and sharing those, you know, heart wrenching stories. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's, it's cool to see. It's cool to see the contrast. But like diving into yes. it, I really want to talk about kind of, you know, given your past experience working in the editorial space, working in the more, you know, um, traditional um, marketing of, you know, beauty, like what we saw in, you know, the old fashioned magazines and everything versus this new age of social media where everyone's on TikTok talking about beauty products and sharing so much information, um, sometimes, you know, without the fact checking um, that you guys are experienced with, like, what are your thoughts on the democratization of, you know, skincare information on social media nowadays? Like, do you feel that it's beneficial? Do you feel that it's harmful? Um, what, what are your guys' opinions on it? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's good and bad, like everything to do with social media. Mm-hmm. You know, you could say that like there's been so many things that are positive, like social change has happened mm-hmm. over social media. But then on the other hand, there's some really like tragic uh, stuff as well, where just pe- people feel really small and not empowered. So yeah. I think the thing when it comes to beauty is that, you know, the good part is that bringing attention to the topic of skincare. And, you know, we talked about this on on when we had you as a guest originally two years ago. Um, what we like about what you do on TikTok is like you give some really solid advice to really young people who aren't necessarily here to be watching dermatologists or especially again, like back in the day before TikTok, like they weren't dermatologists weren't even on TikTok. Like how would you even access them unless your parents took you and you had the money and the time for that. So there was definitely this wall. It was really inaccessible to get, information and again even like blogs reading articles like who's gonna do that young people Mm -hmm. aren't gonna do that so these quick hits of information that's the good part I think there's a lot of people who are DIYing and saving their own skin but of Mm -hmm. course the flip side to that is there are also these crazy challenges and that are really not good for your skin which you know about obviously with your reaction (laughs) videos and and a lot of misinformation too, you know, um, and a lot of fear mongering and stuff like that. That just, you know, it's the good and the bad. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Joe, what are your thoughts? Um, I think the one or the biggest positive that I see is that you can find somebody that looks like you on social media and Mm -hmm. see what products are working for them. And I do it all the time. Like there's a makeup artist in the UK, one of the Pixie um, Woo sisters, Mm -hmm. um, Nicola, Nicola Chapman. And she has a very similar eye shape to me. And literally I'll just go and be like, which mascara doesn't transfer on her or which Mm -hmm. eyeliner does she like? I mean, she's a makeup artist too by trade. So I really Mm -hmm. obviously trust her opinions, but I didn't, clue in until very recently that I was doing that, like seeking out people who um, maybe have my same skin tone or type, or I've heard them talk about eye color, big big pores or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I can actually just like go and see what they thought about it. And I think that's very empowering on TikTok and on YouTube. And you can, because these are algorithms, you can straight up, you can be so specific with your searches now and Mm -hmm. you can stumble upon somebody who you maybe didn't even know about before. And I just think that is epic like if I was in my bedroom as a teen and I could do that I would be so engaged and just like feeling like I knew this person and I think that's really cool actually well and just to add to that even like Pinterest when they started with their search engine Mm -hmm. and you could you could search by skin tone and actually like search for images that are your skin tone like it's just it's incredible and again to speak to Jill or to Jill's point you can find information that's more relevant to you mm-hmm. uh, you definitely could not do that before and you know in the magazine world yeah and in, in beauty media you know definitely uh, certainly in New York and in London and all the big cities I think for a long time it was quite a privileged job to get there was not a lot of diversity on staff so I'll be completely honest and it has changed thankfully so I think honestly some of the editors weren't even thinking to ask the questions yeah will this work on this skin tone will this work with this hair type and it's 
frankly, pretty embarrassing to admit now, but I am, I see the change and I am really happy for that. And I'm also in the space where I can acknowledge like how far we've come from where we were. So I think it it is really all good in that respect. Yeah. That's one of the things I was going to touch on that I think has been most empowering about social media is not only, you know, accessibility to people, you know, who who have similar, you know, skin um, challenges or, you know, wanting to achieve, um, you know, similar makeup styles. But I think even more importantly, the recognition of like, you know, um, uh, people of color, um, black people, skin of color, you know, the the specific, you know, concerns or issues or um, just the ability to connect with people who have never been represented in the beauty space and uh, traditional beauty um, advertising who, you know, people who never got a chance to see themselves and see the specific concerns that they, whether it be skin type or hair type, um, whatever it may be. I think that's one of the most incredible things about social media is that there's such a large community of people. Um, who maybe have not been represented in the past that are now getting that proper representation. And not only representation, people who have their genuine, you know, specific concerns in mind and who are able to help them in that way, which I think, you know, is well overdue, well, in every single, you know, sector of of our society, but, you know, specifically in the beauty space where there is that sensitivity to you know, our natural insecurities and how that can kind of translate over into what the beauty industry propagates. I think it's really cool to see that democratization. But at the same time, like what you were talking about before, the challenges around misinformation and and fear mongering and, um, you know, someone who maybe just decides to make a fun DIY you know, face mask at home that has no idea about the, you know, long-term implications that could cause for someone else's skin, being on a platform where they can get millions of views and millions of likes, um, having no idea the damage that that could cause, which is one of the reasons, you know, I started creating content in the first place, but also one of the reasons I find it so encouraging that dermatologists now have such a prevalence and estheticians and chemists have such a prevalence, um, you know, in the space and really connecting to Gen Z specifically in, in a new way. And I wanted to ask you guys, like, what are your thoughts on Gen Z and beauty and kind of the the new relationship that is being formed um, because you guys have been in the beauty space for a good amount of time and how that kind of contrasts to what we've seen in the past with, you know, millennials or older generations and the way that they've interacted with beauty. I'd love to, like, hear your kind of perspective on that. I mean, I think it... It's value-based much more than it was before, Mm -hmm. you know, like even like five to 10 years ago, nobody really cared what the brand's values were. Mm -hmm. You know, you just bought a product from the department store if it was on sale or not, Mm -hmm. or, you know, if you thought it was going to make your wrinkles go away. Mm -hmm. And I think it's definitely just so different now where it, there's such a focus on cruelty-free you know, having that, um, designation and then also, um, like genderless beauty Mm -hmm. and, you know, black owned brands, just as we're talking about, like finding a brand that feels like you have an affinity to it that goes well beyond, you know, what it's going to do for your skin is just a complete transformation Mm -hmm. in the beauty industry that is definitely driven by Gen Z Mm -hmm. And, you know, brands who are, who want to 
speak to and attract Gen Z. And I still think like a boomer or maybe even millennial is like less inclined to to go for those those products for that reason mm-hmm. specifically. Whereas with Gen Z, it's like they're demanding it, you know? Yeah, I completely I think agree. that's the biggest difference. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Joe? Yeah. What are your thoughts? It's, I th- yeah, I think there's, to kind of echo what Carlene said, is just about conscious consumerism in general. And we had a really great interview with uh, Sharon Shooter. She's the founder of Amma Beauty, and she's mm-hmm. just like one of the best thought leaders in beauty today. Like we, my job was on the, the ground the whole time we were talking to her and we get to speak to so, so many cool. amazing uh, people like that. And she was just talking about this, yeah, this value-based system and how come beauty is so much more like people will boycott a beauty brand if they feel like it is not mm-hmm. representing their values. It's it's beyond, It's it goes beyond just not buying it. They will mm-hmm. cause a ruckus online and boycott it. And it, it's just that much more, people just feel that much, it's, it's that much more personal. And then mm-hmm. I think um, a, another, or a side note from that or sidebar is just like the whole peer-to-peer influence in this, in Gen Z is unmatched with, uh, I feel like millennials or even boomers, Gen X. Um, it, it is just so much more about, um, you know, Gen Z speaking to Gen Z and being able to, there's all these plot, like TikTok, obviously, and be real, you know, mm-hmm. all of these platforms where they want to connect and, and get legit advice from each other. And I find what I find so, um, so refreshing about Gen Z is just like, everything's like a little bit funny or tongue in cheek. And like, mm-hmm. they don't take the beauty industry so seriously compared to it, uh, how it was just like so Photoshopped and perfect before. And I just, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, it's, it can kind of be like, um, beauty tainment too on, on TikTok. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I love that you touch on that because I know that like <laughs> it's it's not hard to find a lot of criticism for for Gen Z and I'm I'm a person who's I'm a zillennial which is so lame. I feel like that term is yeah. just so lame. <laughs> but like I'm right <laughs> in between millennial and Gen Z so I don't like fully identify with both. But I think one of the, you know, most incredible things about Gen Z is their terrifyingly good potential to really have influence over the market and push brands to be more responsible and have value-based, you know, decisions in, you know, their business practices. And that's one of the reasons like, well, I mean, when I created Selfless, the goal was really to hone in on that social impact that, you know, value driven from a philanthropy perspective type, you know, business and product. And one of the refreshing things about it is seeing the way that it was able to connect with Gen Z in such a refreshing on such a refreshing level because I've been able to see how how important it is to, you know, the younger generation and uh, and how much, you know, they really prioritize wanting to make sure that the products that they are consuming are having as positive impact on the world as possible. And in line with that, too, with what, what you were talking about, Jill, um, just this new level and new age of authenticity. It's so it's really, I think, unprecedented because media, as we know it, has always been so, you know, studio production value, uh, airbrushed on every single level, you know, um, everything has a full team of people working on it. And even for me, I, I feel old, you know, even talking about the 2015, 2016 beauty era where it was like, 
everything studio production for even YouTubers and just very polished and very perfected and, you know, videographer, photographer, this and that, where now Gen Z, specifically when it comes to beauty products, they're like, I don't want to see some super polished, some super, you know, perfected, you know, model talking about a skincare product. I want to see the everyday person who lives a lifestyle just like me, who has the same concerns, you know, that I do, who does the same, you know, thing every day um, as me talking about beauty products, talking about the way that it interacts with their skin. And um, I think it's really refreshing to see, honestly, because it's just this this reformation of connectivity and connection that I think tends to get so lost in the world of social media where, you know, it, it, it does feel like, you know, sometimes it does disconnect us as a society. I think, I think it's really refreshing to see. Yeah. And I, and I do think it's driving the conversation forward in other types of media. I honestly do. Carlene and I uh, have talked at length about, you know, just the transformation of Vogue or Anna Wintour. You know, you, we would, mm-hmm. you would not have seen Lizzo on the cover of, of mm-hmm. Vogue 10 years ago. There's just no way. Um, and yeah. I, I think that they're sort of, it's, it's pushing these other traditional types of media forward. And I, I love that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Like even Lizzo or seeing like Emma Chamberlain at the Met Gala, um, you know, talking to people and stuff like that. I'm just like, like, I know I'm obsessed with her, like love her so much. And even like Liza Koshy too. And I'm like five years ago, like over Anna Wintour's dead body, would a YouTuber be, <laughs> be at the Met Gala? Um, but, <laughs> but it's cool, you know, to 100%. see, um, to see these people that, you know, have such a powerful sense of rela- uh, relatability to Gen Z as a whole, like having more space. But like you said, like Lizzo on the cover, more diversity, a push for that. Um, I I think it's obviously there's a big conversation around intent and, you know, it's relation to like, you know, business and, and what's driving those decisions. But regardless, I'm like, it's so cool knowing that, you know, these people who have never been and these specific groups and minorities and races who have never been represented within the beauty space, let alone the traditional media space now have that platform and can connect to millions of, you know, people who never once felt represented before I it it brings me a lot of like hope for the future have you felt pressure increase by now you know having your own brand having your own podcast being forward-facing and has it had any like mental health ramifications and how, how do you kind of you know deal with that okay Um, for, for myself, I mean, I guess in terms of mental health, like it's been really positive to be honest in the sense that, you know, like, like Jill was saying earlier, we have, um, such a closer relationship with our audience Mm -hmm. where people are dropping into our DMS and, you know, they leave us reviews and, it's just much more personal. Whereas before we would be writing these stories and they just went out in the ether and Mm -hmm. like, you would never hear anything back. So, um, for myself, I feel really connected in a way that makes my job more meaningful when we are telling these stories. And like, like I said, a lot of people really appreciate when we do review products that's what Jill and I have always said is that this industry is so cluttered. Mm -hmm. We're trying to help people understand just what the best of the best 
is Mm -hmm. just the way that we have as beauty editors we've seen it all we've swatched it all (sighs) we know right away when something's bullshit and when it's not when something's legit and when it's garbage Mm -hmm. so that's what we're trying to like share with our audience so that at the end of the day they're not going out and buying all this gimmicky crap and just like wasting their money we're trying to help help a a sister or brother out you know what I mean so um I feel really rewarded when somebody you know, jumps into our DMs or whatever and says, oh, I bought, I know you love this moisturizer, Carlene. I bought it too. I just wanted to let you know, like, I'm so in love with it. I really, you know, this or that. And I'm like, oh, I feel really good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only time that it has a negative effect is like every once in a blue moon, but honestly, it is not often. Every once in a blue moon, we'll get a negative review. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that stings. Yeah, and I'm sure you have to deal with this like way, way more mm-hmm. on in what you do. Because TikTok, I feel, is like people just really, <sighs> you know, intense. disconnect themselves from their comments. And they're like, I'm just going to say absolutely whatever the F I want. Yeah. And I really don't give a shit how I'm leaving that person. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, with us, what we would see is like, in in our reviews and I do I feel bad like for especially in the beginning I'm like I'm sorry yeah um you know especially if it was something like our valley girl voices which (laughs) you know I'm a product of my era I can't (laughs) I can't stop it I can't control it that's why when uncut uncut joms happened I was like yes I'm not the only one um so so yeah that can you know but I think I'm getting better at that. I think I'm getting better because predominantly we get so many more positive reviews that I'm like, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, every once in a while it's going to happen and, you know, heard, but it's not the gospel what somebody says, right? Somebody on our show had a really good uh, phrase about that, Jill. I can't remember what it was now. They can say it, but doesn't mean you have to believe it Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. 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 And I also think that the podcast, the podcast space is just a bit safer in general. Mm. I kind of say it's like the suburbs of the internet because it's hard (laughs) to leave a review. You really have to go out of your way to leave a review. Mm -hmm. And uh, also for the most part, if people are listening to us talk, like our episodes are 45 minutes long, like they probably aren't hate listening. I'm guessing Mm -hmm. where I will hate watch TikToks. (laughs) <laughs> fully admit that or hate watch a show I will do mm-hmm. that but I don't think I hate listen to podcasts so maybe we're like in a bit of a different space but I will mm-hmm. admit one of the biggest stumbling blocks for me to get on TikTok and show our face a bit more and I find it so fun like I love con- consuming content on there but people are savage in the comments yeah. the trolls are Hardcore. off the rails and it is yeah. a it is a it is a thought that goes through my head do I really want to be going on there and somebody says my eyebrows look bad or you know Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be and you're just like just just because it's it's like they just make the comment keep on scrolling it's almost Mm -hmm. like offhand that they do it so i i don't think i would take too too much uh i don't think i would be like too bummed about it but i i do think about it because i see the comments that have been on some of our tiktoks that have gone somewhat viral with certain um you know guests that we've had and i'm just like how that's so rude i'm literally like Mm -hmm. how rude i've never um yeah we have we have one post that's 1.4 million Mm -hmm. views on tiktok we're like oh my god (laughs) 
we've made it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so awesome. But yeah, it's with Michaela Makeup and uh-huh. she's been a guest on our show and awesome. we're absolutely in love with she's her. So cool. She's amazing. She, she, you know, was so vulnerable on our show and she tells this great story about her accent and mm-hmm. how she used to get bullied for it. Oh, and that. so we used the clip on TikTok and those are the comments where it's just, you know, I think when it first, we first started seeing some of the negative comments, I, I was like, Jill, like, should we take this down? I don't want people coming for her like this. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we're just not used to it. Right. And we're like, this is it. She's used to this. Yeah. Obviously mm-hmm. she knows, she knows the drill. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. ruthless on TikTok. And and that's a cool perspective oh, yeah. from, you know, uh, a podcast space because you're absolutely right. I love that, like the suburbs of the, the online world. It's, you know, um, that's I think one of the cool thing about podcasts is that the level of dedication um, that a viewer will have to like listen to a 45 minute episode um, really curates, I think, a very uplifting and kind and really supportive audience. And uh you know, that's cool to see. And honestly, I feel like coming, you guys coming from traditional media, working for a magazine, I'm sure this was a relief in terms of, you know, the, the chaos of the mental health, because I've heard just how intense and how aggressive and how, you know, just go, go, go that environment can be. I'm sure it's, you know, even more relaxing now and even, you know, easier on the mental health um, now versus, you know what you guys have to have the, to do with the devil the wear the devil wears Prada of it all. Yes, I, I yes. hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Those were stressful times. There was actually a lot of truthy moments in that in that movie. Yeah. So I've For heard, sure. which is so interesting to me because I love that movie. I have seen it like so many times. It's one of those like gay awakening movies. I call it where every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh, you know. But yeah, I've heard from multiple people where they're like, you know, it's not totally far off it's not, it's not all that fiction. far off yeah, yeah. certain <laughs> things just like the dynamic you know mm-hmm. yeah the mm-hmm. dynamic yeah. is 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 intense because you know uh what i didn't mention off the hop is like it, i kind of alluded to it with the privilege it's like it is it's an environment where you have to work for free for a very long mm-hmm. time until you get your foot in the door and like mm-hmm. i remember like working late at night at like retail jobs and stuff just so i could like be there during the day and when you look back on it you're like whoa that would really never fly today but you were just kind of like always told like someone like like do it or suck it up go get yeah. the coffee a million or girls would kill there for is your position million yeah. w- <laughs> yes that's that it was very that was always real. the thing that was very real very and I'm real like, i guess i better get mm-hmm. you know and then you're just I putting in the late it. putting in mm-hmm. the late nights wanting to be the last one there just because you're like how do i prove that i am the one who wants it the most you know and uh so it's a pretty messed up dynamic and i'm glad that there have been changes made in that respect yeah, yeah. And it's cool that you guys have been able to take that knowledge and, you know, everything that you were able to learn from that industry and really apply it to what you do now and in in so much stronger of a sense have like a, 
you know, really ownership over like what you guys are creating and the community that you have cultivated and the positivity and the, you know, the change that you're making that way. And I love that you were talking about how, you know, your listeners love hearing about like product reviews and like what you recommend and what you touched on specifically with like, you know, increasing that accessibility from a product perspective and like being able to recommend products that have a positive impact on someone's skin where they're like, oh my gosh, my skin totally changed and improved so much. Thank you so much. Like I, I can say from my personal experience, that's like the best feeling in the world. Like when you were able to know that a recommendation you made had such a positive impact in someone else's life. And, and it's, it's cool that you guys have that impact. And I, on that note, want to ask, what are your like holy grail product obsessions, the products that you just have to have in your routine? Because as a fellow, you know, skincare beauty addict, I simply must know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Well, um, I talk about this brand all the time because I'm not lying. It's my favorite okay. and it's Clay de Poe. Oh, um, so it's a, yes. yes. <laughs> well, I'm bougie. I'm bougie. Um, so it's a Japanese skincare brand. The parent company is Shiseido and, um, it just, for myself, they have the most beautiful daily moisturizer with SPF. Mm. It's called the emulsion. Mm -hmm. And it has just this very, very slight, like, pearly, but it's so slight, like, you don't even really detect it. Mm -hmm. But it just gives you, like, this ref refreshing, gorgeous glow. And I know it doesn't have a high SPF in it. It's only 20. Mm -hmm. But I just, like... I don't know. And that's the one where somebody dropped into my DMs and she was like, you know what? She she said something like, I actually was like going through a hard time and I spent the money on it because it's like over a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and I just love it. And I wanted Aww. to let you know it made me so happy. And I was like, yes, so awesome. thank you. Um, and also I love their essences, their hydrating mm -hmm. essences because um I'm really dehydrated. And mm -hmm. so I love uh I love that extra step. I find for myself it's totally worthwhile it just really like that with the moisturizer together is like chef's kiss mm -hmm. oh and they have That's like my the fave. most beautiful packaging oh my gosh like clay depot packaging yeah. literally looks like it should be kept in a glass box with like a security camera on it because it like it looks like like diamonds absolutely you know? it's beautiful Absolutely. And their makeup, I will say mm. that they've been doing refillable makeup Ooh. since like the beginning of time. That's they right. were one of those like luxury brands that were doing it. And now it's like all trendy. Mm -hmm. But they like they were doing it from day one. Just yeah. innovators. And it's so it. it's a, it's such an interesting brand because it is Japanese. But the name is French. Like Cleta Po means like keys to great skin, basically, is mm. what it means. Um, yeah. And it's so it's got all that Japanese technology, but like that French luxe feel. It's definitely mm -hmm. worth the money. It's damn just, good. As the, you tex say. the textures. It's like okay. they've got it down. The textures. Yeah. All of that. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I've never been so convinced <laughs> to try out Clay de Poe. <laughs> it's so funny. On my channel, so good. <laughs> I, I every once in like maybe like once a year, I'll be like, okay, I'll spend hundred over $100 on a skincare product. I am, you know, cheap. <laughs> but every once in a while, I'm like, I'll do it. So you, you're definitely convincing me. It's, it's sounding convincing. Jill, what are some of your, um, like one of your top Holy Grail products? 
Okay. Well, first of all, I want to say kudos to you on Selfless by Harm because I did try it mm, and I love so many of the products and I know how hard that must be to get a product line off the ground. So major kudos to you on that front. Thank you. Um, I'm going to talk it. about a couple of newer discoveries for me. Um, this one Ooh, is okay. a, suns- a sunscreen that was sent to Ooh. me by Stylevana, that uh, website. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. The brand is actually called, it was a totally new to me brand. It's called Skin1004. And the product is yes, full name. It's a mouthful. It's called Madagascar Centella Hilalu Zika Water Fit Sun Serum SPF 50. New discovery. Ooh. It's like 20 <laughs> bucks on there. And I love it. Wow, that's so cool. I love Centella, especially in a sunscreen formula and Korean sunscreen. Yes. Yes. That sounds so cool. Um, I am, I've just been loving it. Like, you know how you have all of these products on your vanity. I'm sure you're the same. Mm -hmm. We are very spoiled. We get a lot to try and you know, Mm -hmm. you just like keep reaching for one, like not even looking like that's what I've been doing all summer with this product. I absolutely love it for my, my, uh, rich girl walks or poor girl walks, whatever the case may be (laughs) on the day. (laughs) And then, um, another one that's like a Holy grail to me that, uh, it's like, I, this one is looking a little bit beat up, oh, but the okay. Dermalogica Microfoliant. Mm-hmm. Have you tried this? I have. Yeah. That. Oh my gosh. That has a cult following. Uh, I love it. Like, yes. I am so anti-scrub, but when it comes yes. to like a polish, I'm like, if you're going to do like the kind of like scrubbing style exfoliation, yes. using a very fine powder like that one is definitely the way to go. It almost like melts into a paste in the palm of your mm-hmm. hand and has like an enzymatic action on the skin. I've been using it for mm-hmm. so many years and it just really, my skin's never red afterwards. I absolutely love it. I recommend it to so many people because it is just like gentle exfoliation. You look glowing, gorgeous afterwards. And I'm what, gonna, a, mm-hmm. what, a, what about the newer, what about the newer milk foliant? Have you guys tried Ooh, that one? I haven't. The I have one? I haven't even heard of it. It's supposed to be, I, I, I've tried it a couple times. It's a gentler version. Oh. Okay. of the original microfoliant it's called the milk foliant uh-huh and it cool. so that's more like for sensitive skin people like me mm-hmm. i noticed like i didn't notice a huge difference but yeah i think the little rice particles and everything are a bit smaller so yeah it's more oh, milky so I anyone who would like to try that one it just came out a couple months ago oh yeah, yeah and i'm gonna to close it out i'm I'm doing a whole show and tell here, guys. I'm sorry. I love it. It's so great. No, I can't stop. (laughs) It's Um, amazing. Is is that a foot cream? Are you hitting him with a foot cream? No, I'm not even joking. Everybody needs to know about this. I was the person with the cracked heels even after a pedicure, Mm -hmm. I swear. And my girl, uh, Naomi at Tips Nail Bar, she was like, just buy this. Just do it. I know you get a lot of stuff, but do it. It works. And she was right. So the name of the product is called Foot Logic. It is the least sexy product you'll ever see. And it's called the Rough Skin <laughs> Formula Mousse. And it okay. works. If you're out there and your feet are looking a little busted after the summer and you're listening to this, just get this, order it off Amazon and uh, put it on two times a day. And it's a mousse, so it absorbs right away. You're not like slipping That's and so sliding nice. all over your um, bedroom your floor. floor before you go to bed or in your shoes before you hit, you know, head outside. So oh those gosh. are, those are my summer little, my little summer staples that I wanted to share with you. I love it. No, thank you for sharing. And I'm definitely going to get the foot logic product because like I sometimes have dry feet, but I struggle with really dry elbows. Um, and a lot of times I just don't like the thick 
body creams that are really greasy, especially being in Hawaii where it's so humid. I'm just like, I don't want, you know, just to leave like grease everywhere. And because it's a mousse, that sounds like super interesting. So I'm definitely going to like send me uh, one of your affiliate links and I'll <laughs> buy okay. it to support. <laughs> but thank you for sharing the products. Awesome. And thank you guys so much for coming on the episode. Like it's really cool to hear your expertise and just your perspective, having, you know, seen so many sides of the industry and uh, just also to reflect on the positive community and difference that you've been able to make through your podcast. It's it's really refreshing to see. And, and I really appreciate you guys coming on. So yeah, thank you. We really enjoyed our chat. Thank you for having us. Yeah. And everyone who's listening or watching, make sure you go check out our episode that we'll be doing together on the Breaking Beauty podcast. You can stream them, I believe, wherever you stream your podcast, right? Absolutely. Yep. So make sure you go and support them. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Just Position. There's new episodes every Thursday. And we talk about mental health, vulnerability with some creators you know and love. We've had a bunch of incredible interviews with some YouTubers, founders, just different leaders in the industry that I think you guys would find really interesting. And this has been a production of Ramble, a Cadence 13 studio. New episodes every Thursday. Ooh.